prepare yourself. You're about to go on a journey. You're about to go on a journey to the barbecue culture. We're going to take you down this road. We're going to show you all the things that you need to know. We're going to teach you all the tricks you got to have. We're going to show you everything you need in order to become a pit master. Welcome aboard. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Frank Cox with the Barbecue Culture Podcast. Spelt C-U-L-T at the beginning in capital letters because... This is a very unique culture that we're in. It's all it's addictive, it's ridiculous, it's impulsive, it's uh, fantastic. And it's almost it could almost be construed as a religion, I suppose. So not that we're a cult, but it's cult-like, I suppose. So that's why we call it the barbecue culture podcast. Hey, I uh, wanted to pop in here today and let's talk about some uh, some more beginnings. You know, in the very, very first episode, I talked about the beginning of Smoker Builder, where it started um, back at the old HQ and stuff like that, and uh, how I had no idea how I what I was doing as far as uh, presenting this information that we have to the masses, um, much less creating a mass movement, let's say. But... Uh, so the second episode, I talked about my very first fire, which uh, if you listen to that, it's to me, it's laughable because, you know, I was I was so simple back in those days when it come to barbecue. I, I, I really honestly had didn't know what to expect um, in any way, shape or form. And, uh, you know, where where barbecue would take us or me and my family um, where, uh, what, what would happen to my taste buds, what would happen to my skill sets that I have? I I had no clue. And in the third episode, I kind of went rogue a little bit and talked about just wood. It was very technical. Um, you know, and, and I like to write stories and I like to tell stories. Anybody that's run with me for very long understands that. And I like to talk about, you know, when I think about barbecue, I think about, Something a dude named Kyle told me one time. Some of you might know him otherwise as the barbecue pimp. And uh, I had a lot of good times hanging out with him and uh, the slabs and, and wired barbecue back in the day. And, you know, Kyle, he, he told me that, you know, caveman cooked. And I guess that's kind of where I got started with that little analogy. And it's always stuck with me, you know, to, to, to talk about that. So you have to forgive me from time to time when I go into the mindset of Jim right? Jim is our caveman that we talk about. And so, you know, we talked about wood and, and what kinds of wood that you want to use and, and, uh, you know, kind of some things to avoid. And I think, uh, in the third podcast, I talked about, you know, generational chains, you know, the, the things that, uh, you know, like for, in, for instance, you know, my dad, let's say your dad never cooked or my dad never cooked and his dad before him never cooked. And for me, that's real. My dad, you know, he makes a good uh, ham sandwich and maybe, you know, uh, peanut butter and maple syrup or something, you know, but other than that, he never lit a fire and actually cooked something over a grill. And so um, his dad before that, we really don't know much about him, but I suppose that he never did either and, and keep going back for generations and hopefully way, way back in there somewhere, there was a brilliant sausage maker. I don't know, maybe a, a brilliant uh, butcher. But anyway, cool to think about. But 
So breaking the chains was that, hey, somebody's got to start this in our family, whatever that is. It could be your family, it could be your neighbor's family, whatever. Let's do what it takes to uh, help them to break the uh, generational chains of, of non-barbecue and, and uh, pass that down to our, our generations to come. You know, We get so reliant on technology these days that uh, you know, our children aren't taught things that matter like how to how to survive <laughs> you know let's just get right down to it um, I know my kids ain't gonna have no trouble so uh, that's something to think about and uh, so on this episode I wanted to kind of revisit some of those topics and and tie them all together you know because in my mind they make perfect sense and some of yours you're like man that's pretty random so um, that's a little bit of that but I wanted to visit on, uh, you know, fire management, let's say, a little bit. So I remember back in the day, I don't know, it's probably about 2011 or 12, maybe 2012. I took, uh, I took an ugly drum up to Nebraska, up in Kearney, Nebraska, and I cooked with my brother, Allie Rat in a barbecue contest up there that he cooks. I don't remember exactly what time of year, but there was still some snow blowing here and there. I'd, I'd say it's probably about February, maybe. And uh, anyway, it was about, you know, exactly 32 degrees on the prairie. And, you know, 32 degrees here in Missouri, where I'm from, and 32 degrees on the prairie is two completely different 32 degrees. <laughs> because on that prairie, you got that wind that you got a buck on top of it. So I remember we had the, we had Alley Rat's pit. I think he called her Bertha. I can't remember. But he had Bertha set up in, inside of a tent, you know, for the most part. Firebox was in there so we could keep warm. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we cooked that contest, and I had that ugly drum set up up there. And it was one of our very, very first ugly drum kind of designs. You know, it, it, it didn't have the fancy side air inlets or nothing. It was the old pipe style, you know, three pipe nipples and stuff. And uh, I remember when that thing was set up outside of that tent with the wind, Oh my goodness, was it a battle fighting that wind. And uh, so we moved it inside the tent, you know, and, and kind of got things under control. And uh, it worked pretty good there. But, you know, then I had another instance where we were cooking at some friends in South Dakota. There we go again with the prairie wind, right? And uh, the the wind <laughs> was circling around. I'd, I'd never seen anything like it because this wind, it never stopped. It just constantly blowed wind and it was like straight from the north and it and it was just like it was it, it was nice Dave temperature wise but the wind just was constant and we were in like a little corner trying to get away from it and it seemed like in that corner that the wind just kind of whipped and circled and and stuff like that well I've talked in previous episodes you know the wood episode I believe about about how that uh you know, air is the key component to get to controlling your temperature. And you use, you know, dampers on the pit in order to do that. We, we close down the inlet damper or we close the smokestack damper. And even on some pits, we do both a little bit. So whether you're cooking on a gas, on a elect, I mean, a, a, a charcoal grill at home on the back deck, or you're cooking with a wood fired, you know, apparatus or, uh, you know, an ugly drum or whatever, if you're using natural draft, wind conditions can have a huge impact on the success of your cook. And so, you know, if you use these little Oklahoma Joes or some kind of a box store cooker, many of you probably have those. And, 
and uh, you've probably experienced a little bit of uh, temperature control issues with those pits, mostly because, you know, the air inlets and the exhaust and the cook chamber and all that stuff, that stuff's not balanced correctly from the factory. They just build it, you know, cheap enough that they can get something on the shelf and get it sold. And they're not unusable. They're totally usable. You just have to really work hard at your air, your air control for temperature and also fire size. But we're talking about air today. So anyway, one, one strategy that you can apply here is, first of all, keep your fire size consistent and establish a rhythm of how much fuel you add to the firebox consistently. And we used to tell everybody when you fire your pit up for the first time that you've ever had it, make sure to keep a notebook handy and a stopwatch or some kind of a clock or something that you can like keep notes with. Take some observations around you, like what's the temperature today? What That sounds pretty geeky and, and pretty technical, but what we're trying to do is get to know your pit. That's the most important thing about becoming a pit master. Anybody can cook a nice steak inside on the, on a, on the stove or on a gas grill or something like that, but a pit master has to understand how to run the pit first. Then we talk about cooking. So... Anyway, what you do is we're going we're gonna to talk about what to do with the pit. We're going to talk about a box store pit, for instance. What to do with that thing in order to cut down on wild temperature swings. And so if you keep your fuel size, your coal bed and your wood, that little pile of fuel in the firebox, if you keep it consistent and you add to it regularly and keep notes about how much you added, how often, what the temperature conditions were, and then now we can start with some observations. If we take in, and the wind is cutting directly across the opening, think of it like blowing across the top of a bottle, the open end of a bottle. And when you blow across, it makes that noise. And what's happening is, is it's actually sucking the air out of the bottle. It's pulling a vacuum in that bottle. And the same thing happens on your pit. When, when, the, uh, when the air blows directly across an air inlet, what happens is, is it actually can have periods of time where it sucks air backwards through the firebox instead of letting it go into the cook chamber. And you'll see a little puff of blue smoke. That's how you know it's happening. So what we do then is we try to twist the pit and turn it and aim it different directions and try to get the wind to where it's quartering towards or quartering away from that air inlet. We don't want it to blow directly perpendicular to the flow into the firebox. The other thing we don't want to do is have the air blowing directly into the firebox inlet. Because if it blows directly into it, then we're going to have cold drafts that's going to, and we're going to wind up using a lot of fuel. So, so too much air can be an issue when, when you have air gusts blowing into the air inlet. Then you would wind up with, with cold air that bypasses your coal bed or your fire and goes directly into the cook chamber. And then you have to burn more fuel in order to keep the air mass hot enough. And so that becomes a, a situation that's hard to manage. Well, anyway, so I want you to, to get involved in our community. There's a Instagram, you know, everybody knows that. Go on Instagram and hit, type in this little search, uh, you know, search class there and type in the at sign, BBQ culture underscore podcast. Go on in there and uh, give us a follow 
And I want you to get involved and tell us. You can private message us or you can reply to our posts or you can even tag us in posts at BBQ culture underscore podcast and uh you know let us know what you want to hear about i know uh we've had a few requests to talk about temperature control and and uh later on after we uh get through some of this temperature control stuff we'll start talking about some food and like you know ribs and different stuff like that so uh anyway make sure you light a fire today peace out peace out